I'm Pastor Daryl Curtis preaching my 91st sermon on the biblical design of gender, point being that rationality and logic, wisdom and knowledge are wonderful things to have, but the attribute that is necessary to make rational thought profitable is love. The following is a presentation of the Family Life Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com. Good morning on uh, September 11th, 2011, which is a beautiful day here in Lansing, Michigan and across our country. People are commemorating the tragedy of the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. This morning, Lord, we are praying for the families of those that were lost to our country and for those victims and first responders that continue to be affected by those tragic events 10 years ago. We ask you to soothe the hearts of those that are sadly commemorating the attack. And we thank you that those that orchestrated the attack have been brought to justice by the efforts of our military. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Now our lesson for this morning is the 91st sermon in our series on the biblical design of gender. And the text is in the 28th verse of the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke. And it reads as follows. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. God bless the reading of his word and let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. And now our gracious and heavenly Father, be pleased to please let us preach your word not for fame or for reputation, but to the end that some might be made better, that some might benefit, that some might believe, and that some might be saved. We thank you, Lord, for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit, and we ask you to let him feed us until we want no more. In the strong and perfect name, of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray amen now thank you for listening and thinking with me as we study God's word to obtain the mind of Christ meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles and we come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. And our takeaway point in this series on the biblical design of gender is that God has designed man as the cooperative coalition of husband and wife so that man can successfully achieve the objective that God has given us to exercise dominion over the earth, developing wisdom and knowledge, in preparation for further responsibility in our eternal life. Now, in our last lesson, we noted that Judas, one of the apostles, betrayed the location of Jesus' safe evening residence to the Jewish leaders that were seeking Jesus to do him harm. The Jews were unable to arrest Jesus during the daylight hours because of Jesus' overwhelming favor with the crowd of pilgrims that came to the feast. 
Judas, however, made it possible for the Jewish leaders to find Jesus and capture him after those that listened to the discussions went home for an evening's rest. But Judas's betrayal was part of Jesus's plan. Although Jesus came to earth to be executed in our place, to suffer the death that we should suffer because of the sins that we have committed, Jesus was actually without sin. Thus, Jesus had committed no capital crime for which the Jewish leaders could convict him in a criminal court and execute him. The only way that the Jewish leaders could justify Jesus' execution was on trumped-up charges made in a kangaroo court under cover of darkness. Now, when the Jews came to take Jesus, nine of the 11 remaining disciples, excepting only Peter and John, decided that to stand up for Jesus in the place of the missing crowd was too great of a personal risk for them to take. So they turned tail and ran away from those whom Jewish leadership sent to capture Jesus. Peter initially fought for Jesus' freedom, but left Jesus along with the other disciples. Peter soon thought better of it and followed Jesus to see the trial. John, who was protected by his relationship with the high priest, accompanied Jesus to the high priest's home. And while Peter was waiting outside in the high priest's courtyard to hear the verdict on Jesus, one of the high priest's servant girls recognized Peter as Jesus' disciple. Peter reasoned that to be recognized as Jesus' disciple was too great a personal risk to take. Peter denied Jesus, fulfilling Jesus' previous prophecy about Peter's lack of courage in the face of trial and tribulation. And while Peter was busy denying Jesus, the Jewish leaders were busy in their kangaroo court condemning Jesus. And as the Jewish leaders recognized that they would not be able to carry out the public execution of Jesus Christ because of the opposition of the Jewish citizenry, they decided to delegate the dastardly deed to the Roman procurator who had a sufficient military force to intimidate the crowds of pilgrims in Jerusalem even during the daylight hour. Now, the Jewish leaders had no actual charges to bring the Pilate that would justify Jesus' execution, but they had developed an under-the-table relationship with Pilate that made them confident that Pilate would simply rubber-stamp their decision. Unfortunately for them, Pilate wanted to know why Jesus should be executed, and to their dismay, once the Jewish leaders gave Pilate their trumped-up accusations against Jesus, Pilate examined Jesus judicially and found no merit in the accusations. But the Jewish leaders induced Pilate to condemn Jesus by threatening to complain to the Roman emperor that the procurator was not ruling in the best interest of Rome. Pilate did not want his superiors in Rome to even think that he was weak in his dealing with the Jews, so Pilate found a way to assuage his conscience. Pilate delegated the decision to the Jews that had come to his palace for the trial, and they overwhelmingly demanded Jesus' execution. 
Pilate made the ceremonial gesture of washing his hands to show that he was not involved in the decision to execute Jesus. Matthew chapter 27, verse 24 and 25 records, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, Jesus. You see to it. And all the people said, His blood be on us and on our children. Luke chapter 23, verse 24 and 25 tells us, So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them Barabbas, the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, as Jesus was being marched up the Via Della Rosa to the hill called Golgotha to be crucified, the people in the crowd that had hailed Jesus as the Messiah the previous day were finding out that during the night, Jesus had been arrested, convicted, and sentenced to death. Jesus' trials were at night and early in the morning before the mass of Jewish people came to the temple to worship. And when the Jewish masses did find out that which was going on, Jesus was in custody, not of the Jews, but of the Romans. Interestingly, to be in the hands of the Romans was part of Jesus' plan as well. During the trial in John chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus answered to Pilate, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Jesus came to earth to be executed in our place, to suffer the death which we should suffer because of the sins which we have committed, and Pilate's capitulation to the Jews was part of Jesus' plan. But the people did not understand the ultimate purpose of the plan of God. The women that had come to Jerusalem and experienced the ministry of Jesus Christ were particularly upset as they had grown to love Jesus because of his ability to care for them. And when these women saw Jesus beaten, bound, and being marched to execution, they showed their distress to see Jesus in his situation. Luke chapter 23, verse 27 tells us, And a great multitude of the people followed Jesus, who also mourned and lamented him. And although Jesus' apostles, except for John, forsook him, the Jews to which Jesus ministered did not. The people that Jesus fed, forgave, and healed followed Jesus to his end because of his touch on their lives. The women that Jesus comforted and forgave of their sins also followed Jesus to his end, and Jesus wanted them to know that although his execution was imminent, their trials were coming, and they should prepare themselves. Jesus told them in Luke chapter 23, verse 28 and 29, but Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, 
and breasts which never nursed. Our Lord here refers to the destruction of Jerusalem and the final desolation of the Jewish state and evil associated with so many miseries that sterility, which had previous been considered a negative, was accounted to be a circumstance to be desired. And no history can furnish us with a parallel to the calamities and miseries suffered by the Jews in their final war with Rome, culminating with the fall of Masada in 72 AD. Raping and murder, famine and pestilence, fire and sword, and all the terrors of war. Our Savior himself wept at the foresight of these calamities, and it is almost impossible for anyone with any humanity to read the accounts of this war in the writings of Josephus without weeping also. Anyone reading might justly affirm that all the misfortunes from the beginning of the world would be considered inferior when compared with those of the Jews in the war with Rome and in the aftermath of Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus warned them in Luke chapter 19, verse 43 and 44, for days will come when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you, and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And we, like the Jews, have the chance to acknowledge the deity of Jesus Christ and accept the mercy that he shows us by his sacrifice on the cross. And anyone that chooses not to do so will have to suffer the wrath of God, which will be unbearable because of the cruelty of it. However, those that refuse to accept Jesus Christ will have no one to blame for their pitiful condition except themselves. Jesus has given us all the way of escape, and those that refuse to take it will have to bear the consequences. And while Jesus' apostles were fleeing Jesus' invitation in fear of arguing with one another over the politics of Jesus' ministry, the women involved themselves in neither the discussion nor the fear, but simply followed Jesus to his end. The scripture tells us in John chapter 19, verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophas and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus acknowledged his mother's faithfulness. John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27 records, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and John, the disciple whom Jesus loved standing by, Jesus said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then Jesus said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. And many other women that followed Jesus were watching as he died. As our harmony of the gospel tells us, from Matthew chapter 27, Mark chapter 15, Luke chapter 23, and John chapter 19. And now Jesus, knowing that everything was accomplished, said the words, I am thirsty in fulfillment of scripture. 
a jar of sour wine was sitting there, and one of the men ran to it at once. He took a sponge, filled it with the wine, put it on a hyssop stalk, and lifted it to Jesus' mouth. Let him drink, he and the other said. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down and save him. After taking the wine, Jesus again cried out in a loud voice, It is finished. Then Jesus bowed his head. Father, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. After saying these words, Jesus yielded up his spirit and breathed his last. When the centurion standing by heard Jesus cry out, and saw how Jesus died, he gave glory to God and said, truly, this was a righteous man. At that moment, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks broke in pieces, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had died rose again. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection entered the holy city and appeared to many people. The centurion and those who were with him were standing guard over Jesus, were struck with fear when they saw the earthquake and the things that took place. They said, surely this man was God's son. The crowds who had come to see this spectacle, the crucifixion, also saw these things and returned home beating their breasts. Those who knew Jesus and the women who had followed him from Galilee all stood at a distance and saw these things. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and Joseph, and Salome the mother of the sons of Zebedee, women who had followed him and ministered to him in Galilee along with many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. But apart from the women, there were at least three of Jesus' loyal friends witnessing the events of Jesus' death. From our Harmony of the Gospel, John records in John chapter 19, verse 31 through 37, since it was the preparation day, for that Sabbath was a special day, the Jews in order to keep their bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, asked Pilate to have their legs broken and then have them taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men who were crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he had already died, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. The one who saw this has given this testimony. His testimony is true, and he knows he tells the truth, so you may believe. These things happen so the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and another scripture says, they will look on the one they pierce. And when Jesus died, his apostles were not there to claim his body and give Jesus an honorable burial. But two of the disciples that followed Jesus secretly came to the forefront to honor Jesus. From our Harmony of the Gospels, 
Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19 tells us, after this, when it was already evening, a man named Joseph went to Pilate. He was a rich man from the Jewish city of Arimathea and a disciple of Jesus, although he kept it secret because he was afraid of the Jews. He was a reputable member of the Sanhedrin, a good and just man who had not agreed with its decision and actions. He was also looking for the kingdom of God. Since it was the preparation the day before the Sabbath, he boldly went to Pilate and asked for permission to take away the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was dead so soon, so he called for the centurion and asked whether Jesus had already died. On learning it was so, Pilate granted the body to Joseph. Joseph then brought fine linen cloth and went and took down the body. Nicodemus also came, the man who at the beginning came to Jesus at night, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 75 pounds. They took away the body of Jesus and wrapped it in the clean linen cloths along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Near the place where Jesus was crucified was a garden, and in it was an unused tomb that Joseph had newly carved out of the rock. Since this was the preparation day and the Sabbath was imminent, they laid Jesus in the tomb. They laid, laid Jesus there because the tomb was so close. Then they rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and left. The women who came with Jesus from Galilee had followed Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of Joseph, and as they sat across from the tomb, they saw where and how the body was laid. Then they returned home and prepared spices and ointments. They rested on the Sabbath day in observance of the commandment. But Jesus' enemies did not just rest on the Sabbath day. They were aware of the ramifications of Jesus' claims of being the Messiah and felt the need to prevent that which Jesus prophesied from happening. From our Harmony of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 27, verse 62 through 66 tells us, the morning after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while Jesus was still alive, the imposter said, After three days, I will rise again. So give the order to secure Jesus' grave until the third day, or else his disciples will come at night and steal the body and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. Then the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate told them, you have a guard, go and make the tomb as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and stationing the guard. And it is wonderful that Matthew reveals to us in his history that even the Jewish leaders knew that which Jesus prophesied in his resurrection. Not only Jesus' friends, but Jesus' enemies were forewarned as to that which was going to happen. 
and Jesus's enemies went so far as to make preparations to prevent it. But there's no way to prevent the power of God from working in the earth. Jesus's apostles played a lesser role in Jesus's burial and subsequent resurrection than the woman so that even as Jesus's mother and her female attendants were the first witnesses to Jesus's advent into the world by natural birth, Jesus's female attendants would be the first witnesses to Jesus's second advent into the world by resurrection. And it is fitting that the devotion of the women be honored by God in this way. Even as God has designed men to be logical, rational, and to consider the consequences of their actions, God has designed women to be bonded, loyal, and to ignore consequences when being able to be near to and comfort their loved one is at stake. And as the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. And these women were created for Jesus Christ to comfort him and to be the first witnesses of his resurrection. And since Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had hastily interred Jesus's body because of the short time between Jesus's death and the beginning of the Sabbath, the women went to Jesus's tomb at the dawn after the completion of the Sabbath to do properly that which the men had done hastily. And the women were greeted by a great surprise. From our harmony of the Gospels, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20 tells us, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices which they intended to use to anoint Jesus's body. They and several others with them came at early dawn on the first day of the week to see the tomb, bringing along the spices they had prepared. Suddenly, there was a powerful earthquake. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone from the door and sat on it. He shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were terrified and became like dead men. Now after Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Mary came to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the door. Then she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They took the Lord away from the tomb, and we don't know where they laid him. Then Peter and John, the other disciple, ran toward the tomb. They started out running together, but John, the other disciple, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John stooped down and saw the linen cloths lying there, but didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived shortly afterwards and went into the tomb. Stooping down, Peter saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. The face cloth 
which had been around Jesus's head was not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then John, the disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. They did not yet understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So the disciples returned to their homes wondering what had happened. But Mary Magdalene did not ponder the situation to figure out that which had happened as did the men. She just wanted Jesus because she loved him. The scripture continues, but Mary kept standing outside the tomb weeping. As she was weeping, she stooped down and looked into the tomb where she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one angel at the head and the other at the feet. Woman, they asked her, why are you weeping? Because they took away my Lord, she answered, and I don't know where they laid him. After saying this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus asked her, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? She thought Jesus was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you carry Jesus away, please tell me where you laid him and I'll take him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned toward Jesus and said, Rabboni, which means dear teacher. Don't hold on to me, Jesus said to her, for I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and told those who had been with Jesus as they mourned and wept that she had seen the Lord and he had told her these things. But although they heard Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. And Mary's persistence and love caused the record to record that she was the first one to see Jesus after his resurrection. Her report to the men was rejected because of their inability to believe without seeing. Then the scripture tells us of the other women. Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were discussing with each other who will roll the stone away from the door of the tomb for us? It was very large. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone was already rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, they saw a young man sitting to the right, clothed in a long white garment. They were startled. Then suddenly, two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Don't be overcome. I know you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Why do you look for the living among the dead. 
Jesus isn't here because he has risen just as he said he would. Remember that he said to you while he was still in Galilee, the son of man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered what Jesus had said. And the angel told them, come and see the place where the Lord was lying. But go quickly and tell his disciples and Peter that he has risen from the dead and that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he said you would. See, I have told you. So they left quickly and fled from the tomb, trembling with astonishment. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Then they ran to tell his disciples. As they were on their way, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice. Then they came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Don't be afraid, Jesus said to them. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. They returned with utter joy and told all these things to the eleven apostles and to everyone else. But their words sounded like nonsense to them, and they didn't believe the women. Once again, God granted the women the experience that the men were not able to believe. And then, having honored the women with the initial experience of his resurrection, Jesus appeared to the men as well. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 43, and John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23 records, it was evening on the first day of the week, and the disciples were assembled behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jews. As they were talking, Jesus himself came and stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. The apostles were shocked and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. But Jesus said to them, Why are you alarmed? And why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. When Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and feet and sighed. Only then did the disciples become joyful at seeing the Lord. While they were still overwhelmed with wonder and disbelief because of their joy, Jesus said to them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he ate in front of them. Then Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they have been forgiven. And if you do not forgive anyone's sins, they have not been forgiven. There is a special place in the kingdom for those women that love much. Jesus talks of the first person, Mary Magdalene, to see him after his resurrection in Luke chapter 7, verse 44 through 47. 
Then Jesus turned to Mary Magdalene and said to Simon the Pharisee, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Much love leads to much forgiveness. When the men who walk with and learn from Jesus betrayed, ran from Jesus, and denied Jesus in his time of trouble, the women that loved Jesus stayed with him and were honored to be the first to see Jesus after his resurrection from the dead. And I have come to learn in my travels that rationality and logic, wisdom and knowledge are wonderful things to have, but you can have all those things and still come to naught. But the thing that is necessary to make rational thought profitable is love. Yes, be doctrinally correct. Yes, be logical and rational. But, of, but above all, be loving. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And one of the reasons that we should have fervent love for one another is that that is both the example and the commandment of God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 and 13, verse 34 and 35, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So as we go down from this place today, let us resolve to be patient and kind with one another. Let us not be envious or puffed up with pride, nor should we seek our own best good at the expense of our brother or sister. Let us not be rude or easily provoked, walking around with a chip on our shoulder thinking evil, and let us be glad when the beneficial truth comes out rather than being glad about our sins. Let us be able to bear one another's burdens, endure hardship as a good soldier, hope for the best for one another, and believe the best of one another. And that is love. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus Christ proved his love for us in his sacrifice on the cross. Let us act in loving fashion as we prove our love for one another. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for the evidence that you have given us through the testimony of those who were there those who were confident, those who were surprised, those who were incredulous, those that tried to keep you from rising from the dead, and all those that participated in your passion. And we just thank you, Lord, that the record is available, that we might read it and understand it and recognize beyond the shadow of a doubt that you came here physically because our sins were many, and that you were the only way that we could be forgiven of them, and that you sacrificed your life for ours, that we might be saved. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to recognize that although the wages of sin is death, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, we thank you for all that are in the house today, and we ask, Lord, that you would give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by this presentation. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com.